I'm your host Varun and today we are going to talk about the UX design principles for building habit forming SaaS products. Our guest is a SaaS industry veteran, Ripul Kumar. Ripul comes with a highly impressive background. He's a serial entrepreneur, UX consultant to global companies and a visiting faculty member at various global institutions like National Institute of Design, SDA Bukoni. So if you're a SaaS founder, product manager, or a UX design guy, and if you're looking for some solid advice on product design, sit tight as we are just getting started. Ripple, I'm excited to have you on our show. Your career path is highly inspirational to a person like me. Please tell us about your journey. Oh, first of all, uh, Varun, thanks a lot for, for inviting me on this show. Uh, you know, it, it's a pleasure talking to, to so many of your uh, listeners. Uh, interestingly, my journey really started at, uh, at NID and where I, you know, interestingly dropped out of NID. Uh, but that, that gave me a solid foundation for uh, uh, to ask questions and to get my own answers. Uh, everyone gets their own own questions and their own answers, and my journey was my answer to to several of those questions that I asked. Uh, so interestingly, uh, uh, I started as an apprentice with the with the with the very seasoned ex exhibition designer uh, in his uh, boutique design firm in Delhi. I spent a lot of my time uh, at Pragati Madan running lots of exhibitions. <laughs> Uh, it was, uh, I think, way back in 95, internet was just coming into India. And uh, I had the pleasure uh, to be a part of designing the first few websites that were coming out from India. And we did make some, some money out there in web advertising. Uh, around that time, you know, the, the web was stateless. And uh, to make it stateful, one needed an application server. Pramati was one of the few companies in 97 uh, who were making uh, this foundation of internet to be stateful. Uh, they were making app servers. So I joined Pramati in its very early days uh, to design the app server. That was my tech bachelor's, uh, working with the best uh, technology guys out there. And that also gives me a huge set of friends who are you know, now everywhere else in the world. <laughs> From there, awesome. I actually, yeah, from there, I joined world's largest usability consulting company. I wanted to, to build my uh, usability uh, foundations really well. And I joined, uh, you know, this, this largest usability consulting company uh, and was looking, uh, was, was designing financial, very large financial products. So one of the products that I designed was for, uh, you know, was an American Express call center application. So if you call up American Express call center right now, the product that, uh, uh, that the call center agents would be using was actually designed by me. Okay. And, uh, you know, I also work with ICSI Money to India. Uh, so interestingly, so with, 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 the, with the design or redesign, what you call it, American Express saved about $120 million and that too per year. And with Money to India, 
with almost no revenues or no no transfers to india they went from almost no transfers to about 5 billion dollars of transfer in the first in the second year itself so that is the the kind of power of of design that that that, that uh, we talk about so uh, i came back to india in 2004 to start my own usability consulting company uh, i realized that you know in the us or in the west there are enough companies or there were enough consultants who were making software uh, or products easy to use uh, but but india there there were almost none i i thought that you know uh, starting something here uh, would be nice because uh, india had had nothing out there and uh, you know i think i was in for a rude shock then when i started my company people had no clue what usability was all about okay uh, as if they do now but <laughs> uh, so i started this company called kern in 2004 and uh, over a period of time i realized that i did not work with any indian company interestingly i started working or my company started working a lot with uh, with global majors um, like nokia sony philips microsoft aviation companies like lufthansa banking like standard chartered google facebook what they were trying to do they were trying to to get into indian market and they wanted to understand india really well and that is when my usability consulting company really started moving towards user research company uh, we started helping them understand india as well as design for india and uh, you know in 2015 my company kern it was acquired by a b2b tech software company and there i set up a global research practice and, uh, so we were talking about b2b saas so at kern and this was around 2011 and 2013 i also started an edtech ed um, exams as a platform uh, product called lineshare and we had quite a lot of customers uh, but i think uh, you know my pricing was 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 really bad and then about 3 mm-hmm. years i had to close it so a lot of learning for me uh, about you know about pricing i don't know whether whether i'm doing the pricing right right now or not but but i did make massive mistakes then so i was interested in financial applications and um, you, you know tally very well right mm-hmm. uh, every you know uh, every accounting you know department in india has tally out there uh, there, right. there is no other thing and uh, so tally was looking to to uh, looking for a head of design Uh, to take them to the future uh, tally is you, you know very well is a desktop software ubiquitous mm-hmm. everywhere it is there right and uh, when they wanted to talk about future you know for me it seemed the right fit now what happened there i uh, there i ran a very massive uh, user research trying to understand what people are doing with tally or not doing with tally um, and these were all small software small uh, small medium businesses um <clears throat> while while working with so many small businesses i the the, the foundation of my current company which is otherwise uh, really was was formed there uh, we were trying we we actually started figuring out uh, some problems that tally wasn't really uh, looking to solve uh, now so what really happened is uh, we were trying to figure out why people don't digitize why smaller uh, um, smaller companies don't digitize 
what was the key key uh, hindrances what were the key roadblocks so currently at atawise we are trying to to actually empower millions of these smes uh, to to digitize and help them make as good decisions as a large you know uh, as a large company with cfos today you know uh, small companies don't have cfos we we really want to to help these smes you know uh, have a cfo on their mobile phones yeah that's that's the journey that's a that's a long journey short but yeah that's a journey <laughs> yeah so that's really impressive and i agree to most of these things uh, because smbs i would still say they are at that a position where they're still looking at digital transformation and with these saas products i think they will surely do in in over the next few years because in india we are getting a lot of uh, you know focus on smb saas which is mm-hmm. really good so now let's uh, talk about these business software products so mm-hmm. uh, essentially if i talk about enterprise software where also you know uh, b2b saas uh, you know compete equally so while rfps for these business softwares have a huge checklist around technical and functional requirements but you would never see any mention of user experience and mm-hmm. it seems in the sales cycle there is no potential impact of a good product design on the buyers so mm-hmm. what value can business software companies drive from their investment in providing a better product design okay that's interesting so let's quickly talk about rfps and then talk about uh, what value do they provide so interestingly these rfps and even now uh, there is almost zero motivation to put any good user experience in the in the in the rfps uh, let, let let me talk about two parts to it the first part is is from the the organization that is taking the rfp out the the client right now the, the client typically is a cio or cio's office uh whose main motivation is to to get a piece of software in the company okay and uh, their their primary motivation is to keep the the software cost down and have all the checklist of all the features so so they need to have all these features and keep the the, the cost cost down now this is counterintuitive to to actually uh, to user experience now if you're looking for a cheaper software in upfront and if you're looking at a checklist of features you are not focusing on the experience at all you're not considering users at all also what happens is the from the software maker point of view the software maker does not own the the users the users are owned by by the, the uh, by the clients and if they don't own the users the responsibility for them to make the software good for the users does not lie it lies with the cio's mm-hmm. office or the client okay and that is why these softwares are horrible okay interestingly from the software maker point of view they charge for for support they also charge for learning now this also is counterintuitive for making the software better so for every learning that that i have to charge for so if i am a software maker i charge for for training you i will not make the software better there is zero motivation mm-hmm. right okay so 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 this is typically the, the case of large what is really happening and you we've pointed it right, right that a lot of new age 
SaaS-based software makers are coming in. Now, they, are, they, they have a user base which is outside the enterprise base. Okay, now the same users are using similar software in the enterprise. Mm -hmm. Now, now they are they're getting back to their software makers saying that your software is horrible. I don't understand anything. It is taking me a lot more time to do something. My productivity is getting hit. Okay, now slowly the, the non-SaaS or the, you know, the enterprise software makers are, are trying to make their software better. That, that's what's happening, but at a cost. I, I'll quickly go back to, to one of the you know, old case studies and uh, I, I think like, let me just pull out the American Express uh, case studies. Uh, American Express reached out and said that uh, their call center software or their, their call center, they wanted to reduce the, the time uh, for, for each call from about eight minutes to about seven minutes, 55 seconds. For each second that they save, they will save about a million dollars per second per year. That's huge. Yeah, that's huge, a million dollars, because there's so many software, you know, uh, call center agents. And uh, they realize that they have, they have pushed, they've uh, got to a wall in terms of optimizing their software. Uh, then these were green screens, mind you, then. Mm -hmm. uh, as we researched across the globe for, for a few months, we realized that, uh, you know, the, the uh, there, there were two two big big issues that we, we realized when when we researched the we researched with the agents. One was that every call that that was coming in was actually getting diverted to another agent. So once I start talking to one agent uh, during the call, it will get diverted to another agent for something that this agent does not know. So there were silos in agents, and each agent was owning a part. Okay, that was one. And they were taking just too much time in documenting. Okay, a lot of things that were already documented, they were documenting, like, like the, the computer already knew. Uh, suppose, you know, I, uh, you change the, the address of a, of a customer and, uh, you know, I just go back and write again, you know, um, I change the address of a customer from X to Y. Okay, so that was also taking time. Uh, we redesigned the software and uh, when we started testing it initially, uh, user testing, we we, th we realized that we may we actually have saved about uh, three minutes instead of five seconds. Oh, that's that's a huge difference. Yeah, but but as this as the start software started getting implemented, and as the users started uh, using the the software, the agents started using the software, they realized that it wasn't three minutes; they actually got two minutes. Now, why that happened was that. They realize that the agents realize, oh, you know, I will instead of eight minutes, now I'm like in five minutes, I finished the call. So what they started doing is they started taking one extra minute trying to talk to the customers and updating their uh, updating their address and other things that weren't updated, which they were not doing earlier. They also up, started upselling or cross selling things to them. So if they knew that, you know, suppose you, you travel a lot, you know. Then instead of a grocery card, they will actually, you know, you, you don't buy groceries too much. You, you travel a lot. Why don't you take a travel card instead of a grocery card? Can I do that? They started doing that. So the CSATs went up drastically. Their, uh, you know, recalls came down drastically. And uh, obviously they had massive savings, you know, about $120 million a year. That's a massive price. But these things you cannot see in an RFP ever. 
RFP is about saving upfront cost, but not saving recurring costs. So usability or user experience is about saving recurring costs and making people more productive. Right. Yeah. So uh, very well. So as we are talking about user experience, and uh, we are also talking about you know these new SaaS products, mm -hmm. which are very well positioned to outperform Lexis software for various reasons, like sure. be it user experience in using web-based products over legacy software, which is running on an installed client, or the flexibility to switch across multiple devices, uh, you know, because these SaaS products can be available in form of an app on a, on a mobile, or you know, you can just open it in a web browser at any desktop. Uh, machine. So mm -hmm. let me ask you, uh, are there any upcoming trends around experience, product experience that you think can substantially influence the success of B2B SaaS over the next few years, or I would say over the next decade? That's a brilliant question, Varun. Um, you know, I, I've been a, a part of, uh, of several, several of these desktop-based software. And then obviously in the last, uh, uh, you know, last few years also looked at, uh, you know, uh, software that were, was, was SaaS, SaaS products. So one of the things that, that, you know, I have always noticed and how SaaS products uh, really seeped into the legacy software's world is, is offering a very small value first. A very, very small value first. Something that is very useful but very small, okay? Something that is a recurring value to the users. So look at, uh, uh, let's, let, let's look at, you know, uh, Amazon. They offered, they didn't offer everything that they're offering now. What they started offering, and for many, many years, they only sold books. They were trying to figure out, can I sell something to users at scale? Okay, look mm -hmm. at Dropbox. Okay, a very small value. Can I store something and I actually ask people to pay for it? Okay. Uh, look at Instagram. They just offered something that is, that is useful first. And that is the first principle that, 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 uh, that I talk about, uh, that it has to be useful. It should not be something like a banana peeler. Mm -hmm. Right? So when, when we ask the question, uh, the, the, the SaaS product founders must always do, ask the question, why is my product useful to my users? Once that answer is there, uh, that's, the, you know, the, that's the foundation to a good product. The second thing uh, that, that any SaaS founder has to do is to have a very sharp focus on doing just one thing right just one single thing right and that for for quite long mm -hmm. uh, going back to to similar examples uh, you know you look at amazon you look at instagram you look at top dropbox uh, we look at airbnb for that matter they did only one thing on with 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 uh, with determination uh, with patience for very very long they did not venture into the second thing for very long uh, Confucius said something very interesting. Uh, if you chase two rabbits, you catch none. And that is what they, you know, they took to heart. Uh, startups, a lot of times, uh, it's to add many, many diversified features 
initially because when they start talking to users they you know users will say oh you know you don't have that oh you don't have it and, you know i would love if, if that has it now these are users who are actually not your users there are people who who because they are not your users you're trying to talk to them and they're saying this is not there and when you keep listening to every user out there you make a bloated software which is neither useful nor usable and nobody would actually buy them so so that the next question that you really need to ask yourself is what is one single key promise that you have made to to your users one single value that you give to your users and that's the that's the second question now the third thing that that i always see is uh, uh and i call it as a you know a minimal payable product now people talk about minimal viable products and that that's great okay uh, mvps are usually fairly crappy okay and they have to be but they have to be scrappy uh, need not be crappy uh it's not because they are made by incompetent people uh but because they are made for early release okay early release from a maker's point of view not from a users or buyers point of view mm -hmm. okay so so when you when you are running against time you are focusing on things that you can do faster rather than what the users want to achieve so your motivations actually go against the users motivations so minimal payable product is about users motivation not your motivation what you can achieve quickly so we need to start releasing a minimal payable product that users are willing to pay for and going going back into the first principle of making it useful first and a laser focus first will get it to a minimal payable product something that delights users so the question that that we that saas product founders need to ask is why what is one single big reason a customer will pay to use your product so and lot of times it is the soul of the product why why does this product really exist so a a small value small minimal value that you provide to users the right. next yeah uh the next thing is uh, i call it a 10 users formula and you know you may have heard it uh, in different ways uh so it is important to understand your first 10 users okay you need to talk to them you need to understand them deeply you need to really work with them initially these are your your key to success many many times saas founders look at massive scale right now they're building for massive scale okay the the antithesis of that that you actually should not build for scale in the beginning you should you should build for not scaling you should look at your first 10 users right what is their day looking like why is my product helpful in their journey in, during the day can i can i get one single use case correct end to end with these 10 users and that's a critical point if these 10 users are happy using your product 
using solving just that little problem that you're trying to solve that is when a million of people will be happy to use your product so it is not about million people it is about those first 10 people first 12 people very little numbers initially you're building for them specifically for them don't build a bloatware build something that that delights just these 10 10 people 10 people first that's one success formula that, that almost everybody that I have talked to, every SaaS founder who have a very successful business, everybody somewhere said this like, oh, we talked to, we actually, you know, worked with three users. Oh, we worked with the first 20 users deeply. We spend a year doing that. That's something that, that all of us must, must do. Uh, now coming to, to, to things that, you know, that UX designers, and you know the product managers these are the people who have to, to to get to some of these things so first thing is that nobody gets anything right first you can be the best product manager out there you can be the best ux designer out there you can be the best engineer out there you don't get anything right first you 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 make something you test it with users you make something you test it with users you iterate you test you iterate you test that is the cycle nobody gets it right you have the best UX guy out there, they will get it wrong. Okay, because users keep changing. Okay, they're, uh, uh, they're, they're not constant at all. Things keep changing and you really need to understand them. Your product is very unique to, to them. So you need to keep testing, keep iterating, keep testing till the time you get it almost right. Okay, and that, that's uh, uh, that. Now, how, how not to test is, is another thing. I have met several, several people. Uh, for them, testing is asking their, their friends from, from, you know, from, their, from their school or, or VCs about opinions, okay, how this product should be. And they take it to heart, really. Every single opinion from their friends, uh, very smart friends and, the, and very smart VCs, uh, they take it to heart. Let me tell you, those opinions will not take you anywhere. Because these guys are not your users. They're not going to buy your products. The only people who buy your products are your users or use your products are your users. You need to start testing with them, not hearing their opinions, but start testing with them. The more you start testing your product with them, the better your product is going to be. So yeah, so I think these are the four or five things that I will always say this will take your SaaS product to to, from zero to hero. Right. So, okay. so, you know, I, as a product guy, I've worked with different product teams and different companies and each of those teams approach product design problems in their own way, even though mm -hmm. there are a few commonalities as well. And I think most of the product teams would learn from their own experience over time and build that playbook that uniquely works for, for their product. But I think the design principles, which you just mentioned, uh, that is something which irrespective of the product, irrespective of the team, uh, which, which uh, you know, you have in your organization. So these principles can be followed across uh, irrespective of the products. And, and uh, th this will be really useful to build those habit forming SaaS products because it, it actually challenges the key, uh, you know, key foundation, uh, like mm -hmm. to some who probably are not doing the way it should be, because, uh, as you said, 
they might be taking feedback from non users who might mm-hmm. be th- taking things at their heart and and other principles as well i, I think uh, they seem pretty useful uh before we end this episode i'm curious to know your favorite business software product <laughs> that provides incredible user experience okay uh, that is difficult so let me there are several several products but uh, let me talk about this is very little product and uh, that has inspired me a lot and uh, you know and, and it follows almost every principle that that i talk about so it's very beautifully done it's called expensify okay uh, so expensify is an expense uh, you know recording software now what it does is on your on your phone you can you can record your expense and uh, and it goes to your company company's accounts so uh, so why is it so so interesting so uh, so how it works is something that that uh, that that's very interesting uh, what the software has done interesting has taken work from accountants now earlier accountants you so use you used to send your paper uh, bills and you know uh, receipts to them and they would actually key into an accounting software okay and then in a few days you will get your you know reimbursements in your salary or stuff like that now what happens is with this software the onus of actually of of actually recording it has moved to the user has has moved to people who are making the the expenses from the accountant so the accountant's work has drastically reduced uh, so what you do is you take a photo of the expense the software does something on top of it and it actually figures out what are the things that are uh, in your expense uh, converts it into data and puts it into the accounting software so what what really happens is that accountants now are not recording your expense you are recording your own expense because you are the the guy who is most motivated to record your expense so it shifted the motivation from people mm-hmm. who are not motivated to do the work to to the people who are actually motivated to do the work you are the you are the one who's who, who's getting affected so you are the most motivated to actually put in the data or you know actually take us take, uh, take a photo so it it shifted the focus there that's the first thing it did the second thing it did is reduce the work for almost everybody on both sides earlier you what you used to do is um, uh, used to you know look at the um, look at the bill and then type in some data or used to take a photo you know upload it in a you know in a city portal somewhere and then wait now today what you do you have your phone anywhere where whenever you make an expense you take a photo of the the expense or many many times if you if you getting your receipts in your email uh, that gets directly into expensify and and that's it okay your work is reduced uh, you don't miss out any any expenses and on the other side accountants are happy because they don't have to enter anything they just have to check if everything is right and what they can do is they start putting in rules out there okay what expenses are you know uh, uh, are allowed for for you what are not allowed they can put in those rules and you know the software at the back end will check everything so it it ensured that the right amount of work for for somebody who's motivated to do the work is allocated to them and that's very beautiful about the software and obviously you know the, the whole thing is really very fast so you you don't have to think so uh 
So that's something that I like about the software, that the right kind of motivation for right users. Many times software have, uh, you know, uh, motivations that are not for those people. It was for somebody else. So this software gets that right. It is everywhere, anywhere, the time that you want to record your expenses, it's there. So it's very beautifully done there. Right. So I think this is an important takeaway from this yeah. example that, you know, you uh, put the product in hands of the user who is motivated to do something. Got right. It. And and probably it's an overhead for the account guys to add expenses. But uh, the, the motivation lies in the hands of the person who is actually going to get paid. Uh, you know, for that expense. So that is really nice. So, yeah. all right. So we have come to the end of this episode. Thank you so much, Ripple, for sharing deep insights into product design. Uh, how can our listeners reach out to you? Oh, interesting. So thank you very much for, for calling again. And um, people can reach out uh, to me. To, you know, they can find me on, on, uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm there on LinkedIn. Uh, and if you search on Google, you can you can find me and you know connect me on on LinkedIn. That's one, obviously. And uh, I should be I will be very happy to to answer people. Awesome! Thanks, yeah. Ripple. Thank you. All right, we'll catch up again probably next time when the topic sure. with you. Till then, sure, uh, have a nice one. Thank you. Thank you, Varun. Bye bye. Bye. Great. Uh, thanks all of you who are listening for your love and support. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel. We would look for your encouraging comments so that we could bring much more exciting topics on product management and marketing. Till then, I wish you an exciting product growth journey.